When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here as in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Even by his own standards, Jim White was excitable as he paced around the Scott Sports studio, still hours before it was time to go on air. We've got the biggest story of the season, he said, beaming gleefully. It was Sunday, 17th of April 1994, and most of those in attendance at Ibrox the day before would have had to take a few moments to guess what it might be. Admittedly, the bar wasn't particularly high on a relatively unremarkable season in Scottish football. The Ferguson thing? There was hardly anything in that. Not so, when slowed down and zoomed in, apparently he's in big trouble, White said. And so he would be. More trouble than could be dished out by the SFA at Park Gardens. 18 months later, Duncan Ferguson would be sentenced to three months in prison for his headbutt on John McStay at Ibrox that afternoon. By the time he was sent down, he was no longer even a Rangers player. It had been the transfer that dominated the summer of 1993 and broke the record between two British clubs. David Murray spoke about it as taking Rangers to the next level after going so close only a few months before. This is not necessarily the end of the spending, he said. We are the biggest club in Britain and people had better realise it. There is no limit to our ambition. There's a hint of self-aware insecurity about people had better realise it. Rangers had beaten English competition for this signing and Murray made mention of having done so before, as if the landscape was the same when Terry Butcher and Trevor Stephen had first arrived, which of course it no longer was. Regardless, this was another transfer coup and a show of successful ambition. It would, however, turn into an abject failure. When it came to Duncan Ferguson, Rangers were in a bind of their own creation, seemingly unable to possibly let the opportunity pass. In terms of profile, he was almost perfect. Young, Scottish, talented and from a Rangers family, he was exactly the kind of player that the club felt they needed to sign. He was a difficult personality, sure. By that time, Ferguson had one criminal conviction and another pending, but in Walter Smith, Rangers had one of the best man-managers in the business. The problem was, it was a transfer that needed to happen that summer at the time when Rangers already had a player in Ferguson's mould who was in the form of his life. Although he's 31, and with his next birthday fast approaching, Mark Cately was hardly at retirement age and just enjoyed a blistering two seasons. With Ali McCoy still recovering from a broken leg, there was simply no way that Rangers were cutting their losses on the other half of their alchemic duo and resting all of their goal-scoring responsibilities on the shoulders of a 21-year-old with so much still to learn. Similar in style, the two couldn't play together. Similar in personality, neither would accept a season of apprenticeship and phase retirement. It couldn't work, and with no hope of a Scottish rival meeting Dundee United's valuation, in hindsight it was perhaps one best left to the new English Premier League. 
If Ferguson's season was something of a nightmare, then he wasn't alone in a Rangers dressing room full of broken, bruised and exhausted heroes with understudies who were woefully inadequate. Hately, however, responded with extraordinary power to have the season of his dreams. It may not have been the tall centre-forward who was billed to steal the show, but, for Rangers' sake, it was just as well one of them did. The summer of 1993 and all that went with it is our subject for this evening. This is Dominant, this is The Hangover, episode one. Good evening, Andy McGowan, how are we? I'm very good, thank you. And in Athens, it's John Cowden, how are we, John? Very well, thank you. Okay, the sign of big dunk. Um... It's been talked about for many years, really, with a lot of hindsight. And we're going to do maybe a wee bit of counterfactual history. I have all the time in the world for counterfactual history. I know it gets a bit of a bad rep, but history is supposed to explain why things happened the way that they did. In order to do that, you have to show the alternatives. But they need to be realistic. Um, That's all I would say. We're going to do a bit of that just now, I think, because, John, you've got some feelings on... This signing, what Rangers maybe should have done along with it. What What are your thoughts on the options as lay in front of Walter Smith that summer? Um, well, we, we had to make signings. We had to freshen up. Uh, I'd seen this before. Um, summer of 76, summer of 78, when we rest on our laurels with a team that has flogged itself to death. Uh, collectively and individually so we've got to do something if we are going to make this impact in Europe we're going to need good Scottish players and we are entering a period where there aren't too many in the competition from shall we say down south uh, in terms of buying power is coming into vogue now I'm trying to avoid the great thing of hindsight or whatever, uh, but uh, it's unavoidable because you can see how history is going. But for me, I don't know. I know you dis- disagree to quite an extent, Martin. I, I don't know where everybody else is. I thought Duncan Ferguson was a sign that had to happen, and I would have jettisoned Haitley at this point, or kept him for six to nine months and cashed in. Because let's face it, the way the Scottish League is at the moment, as we sit in the summer of 93 and where we are, I think me, you and Andy could have been the front three and still we would have cantered that league. So it wasn't that much a risky. Maybe maybe I'm jaundiced by Parlane and Johnson from when I was growing up. But I mean, he's coming up to, he was a 21, coming up to 22. He's almost 10 years younger than Haightley. And he's a Scottish international. He's, you know, he's come in in that sort of that West Germany game where I think you're going to correct me, but I thought he hit the crossbar with a thunderous shot and that much of a risk. And as for all the baggage, you know, one one conviction and one pending. Uh, I think we've got one or two others in that Rangers team kicking about who maybe have a similar rep at at that point, or had done in the previous five, six years. Um, step forward, Ian Durant, and perhaps Ali McCoist. So, yeah, we needed freshening up. And it, it wasn't the only one we should have made. I think we'd have got decent money for Haightley uh, at that point. Um, and was it an abject failure? Well, yes. even it didn't work, we got our money back, and we made Haightley play the season of his life. Um on the back of it, and I mean, after this season, Haley doesn't really contribute much anywhere. He's kind of done. He'll give us another half. Yeah, he'll give us another. Gives another half in ninety four, ninety five. Yeah. All, all I would say, and, and again, it's why it has to be realistic. No one, zero supporters, were calling for Mark Haley to be sold in the summer of nineteen ninety three. Walter Smith, now, what, what, when we do this kind of, uh, again, hindsight is fine, that's that's how history works, we look at the past, that by nature we, we have to, to use a bit of hindsight, what we can't do is overly criticise, and I think I've been overly critical of Smith in hindsight, 
Um, because as I said in the introduction, Rangers were always going to make this signing. He fitted the bill. He ticked so many boxes. He was one of the two um, genuinely promising young players from Scotland that were not at Rangers or Celtic. Um, So I, I get it, but it was just the timing was wrong. If Dundee United could have held on, if we were talking about the summer of 1994, I think we're, we're talking about a completely different ball game. It was never going to work. And with McCoy having a broken leg, you don't know at that stage if people are going to come back at all. Certainly not. He's certainly not going to come back to that ridiculous form. So Rangers likely are going to lose some of that magic that we've enjoyed up front. There is no danger, Walter Smith. The Walter Smith that we, we know because you've got to put yourself in those same shoes, he is not giving up what he can rely on. And he's not going to risk um, you know, losing losing a title because he has to freshen things up and for you know longer term good. Nine is now locked in. Whether we like that in, 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 in hindsight or not, it, it, it is. So I think he was always going to do it, but I think it was just the wrong timing. Um, and... <laughs> I just don't think he was ready, John. And, and I know you're talking about Durant and McCoy, and absolutely those those similar kind of... He could conceivably... Now, it would have been at the, the harsh end of the law, but he could have conceivably gone to prison in September. We don't know that yet. No other Scottish rival is going to pay the money, so we wouldn't lose out directly by a, a competitor being strengthened. Um, sometimes it just it's just not the right time. And adults have to say, yep, Sorry. If I could play hindsight, and again, realistic hindsight, because saying, well, what Hitler could have done <clears throat> is just kind of taken a, a backward step and, and kind of, you know, moulded him and, and helped him, um, all that Smith could have just sold Hitler. That isn't realistic. You might as well tell me now what Smith really should have done is just go and sign Romario, because it makes as much sense and is, is just as realistic. The realistic options, I think that summer of 93 for Rangers to use that four million and even get a bit of change out of it. Golden Jury, from the start, is a willing runner and worker for Hately and the other big talent coming through, Alan McClam. Because our defence actually is the shambles in the big hole at the end of that 92-93 season that is hanging together. And that's really, I think, where um, a bit of um, prudence should maybe have been shown as well. We get these players eventually, of course, but those deals possibly could have been done. I know Jury's relationship with Ardila is soured and that, that led to that signing late in the season. Um, but that is a better fit for what we needed. But I I go back again, Rangers were always making this signing. Andy, your, your thoughts on what could have happened, what did happen, how it all transpired? I think we need to stop for a second and remember what an exciting talent this guy was and, and there was a bit of fervour around signing him. And also, after the season we'd had and how close we'd been at the Champions League final or the European Cup final, there wasn't a clamour for a rebuild, despite the fact that I think the more savvy amongst us knew that that team were going to be knackered and there was going to be a price to pay in terms of physical uh, repercussions. So there wasn't a rebuild on, on the cards and it was a case of, right, well, how do we make us better? And and this guy, he'd made a name for himself in Scotland. That Scotland game against West Germany you referred to was, it was a bit of a sensation. I mean, you look back, it was over-sensationalised. I mean, he, he never scored. He had a Never hit the crossbar. He had a, had a scissor kick that captured the imagination. And he just looked like a player that was going to get better and better and better. He had all the raw attributes. Um, he was unique in his style. Uh, he, was, he was just a fantastic talent. So I think that Rangers been interested in him and also the thrill of the chase because obviously Dundee United being Dundee United under Jim McLean as, as chairman, they didn't want to sell us, sell to us. And it was also a case of flexing our muscles as well. You know, we, we, we blew... Who was it? Was it Leeds United that were in for them? It was, it was blew Leeds. Them out the water. Yeah. yeah. Um, we, blew, we blew them out of the water with a premium to buy them. Yeah. But as you said, uh, uh, Hately, he was 31. But if this makes sense, my recollection is he was an old 31. And what I mean yeah, by that is... a lot of miles. He was a war horse. And we knew that we weren't going to get that... A player that had that style of play, doing what he did forever, 
but in, in, in reality, Ferguson drove him at new heights. So to answer your question, Martin, right player, rank time, and yeah. it's a massive case of what could have been. I take John's point as well, maybe about the abject failure. I, I mean, Duncan Ferguson, the Rangers player, is an abject failure. The deal itself, getting money back, I think even a wee bit more, um, and also the impact it had on Haley is big. The impact on Haley was immediate. He, whenever they get back from Italy, Haley changed his training number back to 10. Um, he was up for this. They had sessions in Italy where they they, they uh, make a run, make a pass out, get a run into the box, wait for the cross to come in. Haley would do one thing. Ferguson would mimic it, like, uh, exactly. And this would go on for quite a while until Ferguson got a, a bit of a duff cross and just miss hit it. And so, you know, Haley kind of got 1 0. <laughs> How he fitted into the dressing room has, has been a bit of a, a, a an issue. I think there, there, there was maybe some closeness, physical closeness between him and Haley at one point, but um, they were obviously in Italy and back at Il Choco. Uh, and on his arrival, they were in a team bus for a, um, a night out. Uh, and he told the the team he was there to take them to the next level. Now this is a team, obviously, who had done very well the season before without him. Um, I think Durant took the first bite. He said, "You, you big skinny drip of water. You're only here so the big man can have a day off now and again." Uh, Ferguson came back with his goal scoring record at Dundee United. Durant came back saying, "You've won fuck all, apart from your BB Youth Shield and the Forfarshire Cup." Um, and then he said, "Well, that's Dundee United's fault. Dundee United's fault that didn't win anything, which didn't impress David Dodds, who absolutely." I think eviscerated him in the bus and just a Stuart Weir who was there with the Evening Times and he was there as part of the press um, and you get the kind of tone that he'd been put in his place and you know the Rangers squad maybe not quite as convinced a couple were which was Goff and McCoy's who were quite very obviously tapping him up uh, in fact Rangers would be fined um, five grand or so um, in the January 93 for, for very publicly kind of stating their intentions Goff and McCoy's took him after a Scotland trip to Ibrox and showed them around even pointed out where he would be sitting in the dressing room and whatever um, so uh, yeah it, it was clear that, that, that he had admirers um, but uh, his uh, transition in the dressing room maybe wasn't a smooth one John you mentioned the, the Germany game at Ibrox funnily enough this friendly where the legend of Big Dunk um, grew, he was sensational that night, um, and that that legend is, is really the word because um, the SFA, even in their website for for years, when they've got a, a thing, a, an entry for everyone who has a cap, um, and they explained that night um, the, the, as you know Ferguson rattling the the crossbar, he doesn't. Kepka makes a brilliant save from an overhead kick he starts the move brilliant ball out he gets himself into position it's such an angle such a hard one to take and he absolutely catches it flush so Bayern Munich were said to be interested after that it was Leeds um, Leeds did a deal with Dundee United who did not want to sell to Rangers in fact part of that deal which was for 3.25 was that they would never sell to Rangers um, and I think they, they released a statement on 3rd of July saying you know we'll be having a press conference on, on Monday um, after weeks of talking it, it, it's kind of done you know they're publicly saying he was he was coming until he, he things went cold he only wanted to go one place Rangers as you said Andy had to pay a premium to get him there uh, the deal was really 3.75 plus another quarter of a million pounds when Ferguson made 200 appearances for Rangers which was always assumed that he would do so that's why the deal was quoted at 4 million um, so technically the outlay um, was the biggest that some of the other big one in Britain being Roy Keane from Manchester United um, or to Manchester United um, from, from Nottingham Forest so a British transfer record which I don't think Murray um, was too bothered about at all certainly too bothered about paying he was quite happy I think for Rangers to, to, to kind of break that record so it was the kind of story of the summer weirdly Hately seemed genuinely surprised genuinely stunned when it was announced <laughs> when he was in Italy uh, even though it's been going on for ages and he's, he's said to remark £4 million pounds, hell of a lot of money for a sub um, so he he was going to go um, into to full um Turbo mode, and well, as I said, thank Christ he did. Other Rangers well, players. I mean, can, can, can I come back and get a couple of points? I, on McLaren, definitely we should have signed him, but that is hindsight. I think we have high hopes at this point, and don't laugh for Presley as uh, coming through. Yeah, probably. Half and not need to do it. Jury, actually, we should have signed him if we get rid of McSwiggan, uh, regardless. Because yeah, should have signed that. Somewhere. If you know McCoy, you know McSwiggan. 
you do need the small guy to go with it. In terms of signing with Ferguson, actually still there 13 months later. If even he goes to the summer of 95, 94, is it really that much a thing? Because the four seasons after it, he plays more games and scores more goals at a higher level than Hately. And given, as Andy said, I mean, we're expecting this, some of this team to fall apart or be likely to have lots of injuries. Hately must be your number one candidate because he's never played as many games in a season as he, as he had done in 92, 93. Yeah. I think 40, 42. Given the style of play he is, his age, if you were saying somebody's going to pick up Knox and go down, I think actually you're saying it's him. And uh, that, that and Smith knows that. And again, part of the, the theory is good that this is succession planning. All I'm saying yeah. is these are not two players who are going to deal with that. Ferguson is not going to be, um, is not prepared to sit about, be the apprentice um, and, and finesse his undeniable talent um, training with, other than Alan Shearer, the best in Britain at that type of role at that minute in time. And he was. Absolutely. But, but he's never going to do that. He, he jumped on the Scotland scene. Well, you don't scene. know who's going to do it. You yeah. don't know who's going to do. You don't know who, which horse is going to run. But having two horses running, we get the season of a life out of Hately. I would argue in the back of it, and we get more money back on Ferguson. It's it's actually not bad man management, but it doesn't work out because we blow the four million and we don't spend anything else. Yeah, really well, that's the thing. That squad. It's an opportunity that's cost, isn't it? No, that that's the yeah. thing. Uh, we we well, don't. Yeah. Yeah, because you look how much he spends. Murray spends in subsequent seasons. Yeah. If he'd went out and bought, as you see, Jury, McLaren, Stephen Wright kicking about all the players he buys over the next two mm. or three seasons of Scottish things. Yeah. Because the other thing Ferguson gives you is in Europe, yeah. he is one of he, you, you, they can play three foreigners and you don't need to, one of them may not be Haley for yeah. whatever reason. It gives you options for that strategy. You should be spending money, not just in the one, you know, this was Murray to a T, wasn't it? Put everything on one number, never mind black or red. He was going for yeah, the number. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, go, and, go out and sort of say, right, we're going to spend 10 million this summer, Walter. That's you for the next three seasons or two seasons, unless you can sell people. We're going to buy young, we're going to buy Scottish, and this is going to be, because 93, 94... You're talking about domestic rivals. We don't have a domestic rival. Let's be honest. Not over the long course, no. They are, they are all... Okay, cups can come and go, as we'll discover. But league is a foregone conclusion. I mean, it literally is at this point. We are dreadful, as we'll discover, in this league campaign. And we win it in a canter. I mean, the points at the end of the season are nothing, but that's because we take two points out of ten at the end of it. I mean, it's literally a canter, despite us being less than great. Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay, um, it will surprise no one, and it'll be apt uh, that Ferguson was injured when he arrived at Rangers, a, a kind of hangover from the previous season at Dundee United, um, and he would not be the only one. McCoy's, of course, uh, broken leg. Andy Gorham, who we've talked about in the, the previous shows in 92, 93, hadn't trained since March. He played, but he couldn't train because of that, that posterior ligament injury. He goes to Los Angeles uh, on 3rd of July, um, or oh, sorry, 4th of June, um, to, to, to go uh, undergo that surgery and just get you know the, the, the appropriate rest. Uh you know, Scottish Player of the Year, the summer of 1993, and deservedly so. People forget that because of McCoy's, you know, exploits, Hately's brilliance that, you know, the, the, the Scottish Player of the Year was was, was Andy Gorham. Um, he would find himself in a very, very different situation the summer of 94, which, of course, we will come to. Uh, Ali Maxwell was the replacement. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. 
to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, price line. And let's not be too revisionist about this, because at this minute in time, in the summer of 1993, the reputation of Ali Maxwell is not in the mud. Ali Maxwell is not a diddy. Ali Maxwell is the cup-winning hero of only two years ago for Motherwell 91. Um, he'll he'll be okay as a replacement. That That's the general thought process that summer. Um, yeah, it might not might not turn out that way. Other farewells, Andy. Scott Nisbet uh, under, or he suffered that, that groin injury at Parkhead, the, the game after his heroics in Bruges, how cruel football can be. And he was told that summer by three different specialists, you'll just give it up because it's just just, just not going to ever heal um, and you're going to make yourself worse. So, you know, we, we lost him, a very um, functional utility player, very um, worthwhile player to have around uh, the ground. Another hero from that um, Champions League campaign, the man who started it all, I guess, Gary McSwiggan, he goes to Notts County for 400 grand. Dale Gordon goes to West Ham for 750. So, you know, there's... Uh, you know, over a million quid um, raked in. Um, any memories of uh, those farewells, Andy? I mean, uh, we have to, we have to sell players. Um, but the, the Nisbet thing was it was tragic, actually. Uh, I looking at it now, it was tragic. I think at the time, I think the Rangers support were a bit. I say mercenary, but that's probably the right word. We were a bit. Uh, inured to this kind of stuff because it was easy come, easy go with a lot of players. We were used to the, the, the trading that we've spoken about in previous uh, chapters about the soonest time. But um, Nisbet came through the ranks. He was never ever going to be a superstar, but he had to get better and he'd made the best of what he had in terms of ability. Um, I remember he used to work with sprint coaches, stuff like that, to work on aspects of his game. So it was... He contributed to that fantastic run and obviously he's immortalised with that goal against Bruges. But to lose his career at 25 was, was pretty tragic and you just wonder what was the impact of that season, playing mm, through the pain, mm, taking mm. injections, that kind of stuff. Um, Dale Gordon contributed as well. Obviously, Leeds, the Leeds doubleheader, he was integral. Uh, but he'd done his bit and I don't think there was any... It was never a case of these players, or, or Gordon and McSwagan in particular, that somebody's saying, oh, we should be keeping them or no. It wasn't he because we always had somebody else to come in. This yeah. is the thing. It was always a case of, all right, who's next? And they're going to be better. Spend some money, yeah. you know? So it wasn't he. I don't think there's many players that left Rangers where the fans had a, a regret. Oh, I've got to say that. Trevor Stephen, maybe, 91? Well, we, we, we understood I, the money. We couldn't say no, but yeah. that was maybe the first sign. We were like, all right, someone's... Someone's going on to bigger things rather yeah. than we, we don't need these guys anymore. Um, That's a fair show. John, I don't know if it's a fair question because, you know, it's a long time has passed. Can you... You know, McCoy is, as I said, broken leg. Gorham is now out until January. Um, you've got Nisbet having to call it quits. Uh, Gary Stevens still hasn't returned and wouldn't return from the absolute start. Um can you remember there being a, a feeling that, you know what, this might not just be picking up where we left off at Parkhead and that, that Scottish Cup final. Um, these guys have been through through the wars or was there just an expectation that, um, A, an expectation that they'll just, all they need is a, a bit of a rest, a summer, good pre-season and, and, and back we go again. And also, just pick up on Andy's point, right, where we're, we're seeing numbers go out the door. Um, and obviously Ferguson's been the big thing, but did you maybe expect more? to be coming through, and by more I don't mean getting Fraser, uh, Fraser Wisher on trial for a bit and then signing him as a free transfer. Uh, I know, you know, breaking the record was an exciting deal, but, you know, we've, we've lost three players there. We have a number of players out. Did you maybe just expect a, a, just a few more bodies in, even if they were the old soonest, uh, you know, um, expediency signings? Yeah, uh... I think it was more when people were going out because if you look, McSwiggin goes out and it leaves us really short up front because you've got Ferguson and Hately who are not going to play together. Um, big man and bigger man or whatever you want to call it. 
so we're in McCoy's out with a broken leg and who knows and usually when they come back after that as we discover even even if they come back they pick up lots of niggles so you expect another striker of which Judy will come in much later but as you say should have came in the summer you actually understand the wish up uh, because of I mean, it's a right back, it's a short term thing. Gary Stevens might come in, whatever. But you are looking, we're looking a bit threadbare on that right side because you don't know how Gary Stevens is going to go. Dale Gordon's going out. You've got Miko and Houston on the other side. I'll put my hand up and say I was quite relaxed about Ali Maxwell at this point. Uh, Everyone was, so, John. Everyone was. So, I mean, I'm not going to go, I can revise a lot of opinions and. I would still have kept Tately. I mean, I'm arguing from a from a, if you were looking at it strategically, but in the summer, I think we just thought we were going to go on. But I'm, are are we gambling on young people, youngsters coming through? You know, I think you mentioned that in the bus back to Bruges about Neil Murray, mm. who had looked more than decent. Oh, so you think and was getting shuffled about. You're seeing Presley. Can he do a job at centre half? You know, and you know, you you say I don't remember Moore coming in, but you know, is there somebody in the youth? And we we're not my generation are not soonest. It's not all about spending. We are used to, from me in the seventies, we're used to youngsters coming in a mature team, and either doing them a job for maybe six months and then you know petering out, or staying. You know, either Alec Kahara or Derek Parlane or whatever. But there is a it just is that the right hand side looks particularly weak and the front the forward line looks particularly weak because you've either go through a big man up front or through an even bigger man up front. I mean, where is the variety coming through? We're gonna push Durant up into that slot again. I didn't quite understand McSwiggin go well, I did understand McSwiggin going. I didn't understand not having a replacement yeah. of someone smaller, more mobile. And this right hand side could I'm actually astonished when I looked at it. I was mm. astonished how often Gary Stevens played in 93-94 because I thought he was done after that tackle with the Airdrie. Yeah, and he played a few games yeah. however, but it never stuck in my mind that he was, you know, he played as many as he did this season. Took him a while to, to, to get in, but yeah, he yeah. did, yeah. And then Nisbet, Nisbet's one of these underrated guys. I, I thought he was never going to say it, but he was a, a really good squad player for us, and that's not uh, damned a faint praise. He would come in and do a decent job, uh, right back, uh, centre half. You could even lob him up front instead of Hately if that was it. And then if you look at his successors in terms of Alec Cleland, Gary Bowling or whatever, he's far and away better than that. And it was a tragedy for the mm, guy. Mm. Not, not even to be said, look, not going to make it Rangers, but you know you can go and play Hearts and none or whatever. But to be said, look, that's you done at twenty five. I mean that through through overplaying, taking injections, wear and tear. I mean twenty five year old is is no age for wear and tear. And he was a big loss that way because he could slot in. He was that utility player that maybe not at Champions League level, but certainly. Scottish Premier League level, he would get you by the majority of games pretty comfortably. He wouldn't be a hundred percent, but he'd be there. So we're lacking. I, I mean, and all in the back of we've made five million or whatever the number was for the Champions League. If ever there was a summer we had a bit of cash to spend, <laughs> it's that summer. It's, it's, it's a weirdly uh, frugal and prudent and sensible year. By David Murray Rangers report a profit in 1993, yeah. Uh, and uh, yeah, it, it's uh, an interesting one. Another absence to talk about this time, not for Rangers but for Scotland in the summer of '83, was Richard Goff, who uh, declared that he would not play for Andy Roxburgh again, um, and by definition, probably because his replacement was going to be Craig Brown, he was not going to play for Scotland again. Uh, this was on June the first. There's a long story to this. It it, it came to, I guess, um, a, a head uh, with comments that Roxburgh had made about Goff replacement Brian Irvin uh, after a World Cup qualifier win over Estonia. Now, Goff had pulled out the squad after just this massive season with Rangers, well, Scottish Cup final just coming up the following weekend. 
And Roxburgh said, Brian Urban is really impressing me and he will be a great, he's a great will to play for us. Who knows which players will come in and make themselves indispensable. Irvin is so dependable and last night he was starting to order people around during the game and I thought, this guy is really settling into this. Young players need reliable, steady influences around them and Irvin is like a rock. Now, those are the kind of comments that international managers make about kind of younger debutants maybe, but not a 20-year-old with no great international future ahead of him. I think he would play five more times for Scotland. It was a pointed reference to Goff in particular about players prioritising club over country. This is in the back of just not being impressed at all by the methods of Roxburgh and Craig Brown after working with Jockstein and Alex Ferguson at Scotland. Uh, Roxburgh's name just made soonest laugh, apparently. Um, uh, Ibrox and that antipathy never really softened. He'd obviously no time for Roxburgh's card games and that flight home from Saudi Arabia. Uh, exasperated by Brown's obsession with deportment rather than coaching, he would be painting the tape on players' socks so that they match the colour of the <laughs> new kit. Um, he was enraged at Roxburgh's misleading use of the press in relation to his injury at Italia 90 and a European Championship qualifier against Switzerland. Frustrated players been played out of position so that the manager's favourites could remain. And finally, that infamous night in Lisbon where Scotland were hammered 5-0 by Portugal and Roxburgh's team was set up to play against a side without their key man, Rui Barros, whom Craig Brown was reliably informed by a local taxi driver would miss the match. Of course, he did not, and he scored the first goal, and um, they ran riot. Ultimately, I think Goff viewed the national setup as something that was well beneath what he was used to, and the tension between Rangers and Scotland, one that had been brewing again since this, uh, I guess since the Soonest Revolution, was maybe entering a new phase here. John, we're going to talk about this quite a lot over the next um, few weeks, I think. Uh, your memories of the captain's decision to um, tell Roxburgh to bolt? Absolutely delighted. Um, I think what I've said in previous pods, I have complete disdain for Scotland. Uh, going back many years, but particularly under Roxburgh, the thing that stands out in my mind, and I think this is true, is that Italian 90, he made them all leave the keys in the outside of the hotel room door so he could check up in them. He was a school teacher. It was a Jordan Hill College mafia at school. And, you know, from him wanting to make sure they were all tucked up in bed at night to colouring in things. Nah, they, they just, it was school trip stuff. And actually, I, I was more upset. The one who should have told them the bolt was McCoyst, who I thought was treated really badly by Roxburgh in 1990, would be again, I think, 96 and 98, when I thought he should have went to the World Cup. And I just, I was delighted, because I was sick of this. Because I couldn't see, Scotland's ambition was not to be embarrassed. And I thought, well, what's the point in coming up if your only ambition is not to be embarrassed? And that's what it was from 1978, but it really definitely was at this point. Let's see if we can qualify and let's once we get there, yeah, well, the guy, the support can go. It's a stag weekend, and let's not embarrass ourselves. And that's not where I want to be. I want my team, Rangers. I want them to turn up, and I want to go into a season thinking we have a chance at least, or we'll give it our best bet. And yeah, I'm delighted that Goff's told them because you're looking at a stupid 44 game season, and you're thinking. Really? And what benefit do you get from playing for Scotland? Because it isn't a downward trajectory at this point. They haven't... I think they're struggling. I'm not sure they're out of it yet. They are out of it, yeah. They're struggling to qualify. First, for first uh, World Cup World missed. Cup yeah. uh, in 24 years or whatever. Yeah. Um, Andy, your, your, your thoughts on, on this particular decision? And it wasn't just about golf. I think they said something about, as I said, the prioritisation and... Not the start of a split, but I think the, the further opening of a split between the Rangers support and the national team that, that really is going to start to rupture over the next few years. I, I mean, you can trace it back to then, but there was also a change in the football dynamic and that, you know, the, the Scotland or SFA appointed Roxburgh, who by and large nobody had heard of. Now, he was a big shot in the SFA, but he was, he was basically a glorified school teacher. And there was a wee bit of a, of a inf, what's the word, infantilisation. Is that even a word, Martin used to tell me? Infantilisation is a word, yeah. Is that a word? Good, good. Sweating there. But basically, the, 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 
as you say, they get treated like school kids on a school trip, and for players like Goff, who, let's face it, had a, a fairly well-formed ego, as did soonest before him, people like that were like, what is this? And they didn't need it. They didn't need it as a bottom line. If he'd been younger and early in his career, I wonder if he'd have made the same decision. So I increased that fracture. I think, like John is saying, I couldn't have cared less. It, it, it chucked Scotland. Um, they, they can have any form of feeling or emotion towards the Scottish national team were fleeting and few and far between. You know, I think 1992 Euros, the last time I felt any kind of hmm. affinity with that club, with that, that uh, football. Pre-season, a couple of matches to, to maybe just briefly talk about. Uh, Rangers hadn't been down south for a friendly, and a youth friendly in inverted commas, uh, for seven years. Uh, that must have been the Spurs game when well, as soon as arrived. Um, uh, they went down to Roker Park, beat Sunderland 3-1, but the headlines were all about what happened off it. Uh, three people suffered knife wounds, 35 arrests. I don't think there were many charges, actually, in, in the end. Um, Murray was... Furious, this will not be tolerated by a club which has worked so hard to improve its image in the international stage and the image of Scottish football in general. It is not on, and as soon as we identify those who have been arrested and charged, they will be informed by the club that they are no longer welcome, uh, welcome at Ibrooks or at any other stadium where Rangers are playing. It is not a subject for debate. It is final. Uh, the other uh, pre-season match of note was Ali McCoy's testimonial at Ibrooks against um Another club from the northeast, of course, Kevin Keegan's very upwardly mobile Newcastle United. It was 2 1 to the Premier League team in the end. But my memory, Andy, of this night, I don't know if you were there, I'm sure you were. Uh, Ali and his blue blazer, of course, not uh, quite ready um, to, to play yet. And he's still hobbling about, actually. Um, was it Newcastle just looked far sharper? Um, and again, your Rangers. Biggest club in Britain, we're still the best. Forget about this Manchester United, forget about this Premier League thing. Um, this was a, it was a pre-season friendly, I know that, but this was a wee bit of a, a wake-up call for me, I remember. I I'd agree. I remember it being a great night. The, the Newcastle fans brought a lot to that. Yeah. Um, I remember Andy Cole looking as sharp as a striker could be. And we get beat, and uh, I wouldn't say it was a lesson or anything like that, but as you say... Uh, mere insightful beard bears would have been sitting there saying, mm-hmm, "This is, uh, you know, for de facto European Cup final or semi finalists the year before, we should be doing a wee bit better than this." So it was probably a sign of the the flat and static nature of of the summer and where we were going to be that 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 particular season. John, I don't know. I I really really hasten. Oh, sorry, I I am loath to put uh, too much credence on any preseason results, certainly. But you know, we've all been to games where we thought, oh dear, or we thought, oh actually, we look we look the business here. Sometimes we get proved very right, sometimes very wrong. Um, can you remember much of that night? And just I guess, and it was their sharpness and their pace uh, and the movement. And Rangers, we're going to talk a wee bit about this um, over the next few weeks this season, especially when. Smith tries to shoehorn both of these giant strikers and we are direct and we are clumsy and they were not. Um, it was a really sharp, incisive um, kind of performance. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here as in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. I wasn't surprised. In the previous season, I'd spent a bit of time working down the northeast. And I remember a Summerland fan telling me away from your show, he said, Newcastle, who'd just come up, I think just come up that season, they yeah. won the championship. He said, Keegan's got them playing phenomenally well. And so when they're knocking it about, I mean, I don't pay a lot of attention to pre-season, mainly because I wouldn't say I'm blasé, but I almost always expect us to have a dreadful one because that's usually what we do. And, you know, it was only the year before we'd get absolutely and taken apart 
same scoreline mm, um, by Mercy, who are infinitely better than Newcastle. But Newcastle are on a very upward trajectory, as we'll see in the hindsight. I think they finished third this year and then blow it the next year when they should have won the league. Uh, because yeah, two years later, they, yeah. 95 minutes, uh, so. yeah. So, I mean, they are, and they have some brilliant players, and they're knackered. Uh, I mean, it's Gorham won't have played. Coyth, as you say, is wearing blue, but it's a blazer. And yeah, our lack of signings, etc. Everybody's just a bit tired, so there is a worry, but it's July, it's it's fine. Then you go to, you know, the weirdest thing is that I was actually at Sunderland, uh, I was in Nottingham and drove up to the game, went in at work the next morning, thinking what a cracking atmosphere, two sets of fans going brilliantly for everybody to start saying, did you see that in GMTV this morning? What happened? Did you, were you okay? Was there a riot? Hmm. It's like, what on earth are we talking about here? Because actually, where I was outside the ground and walking around, atmosphere was, was decent. It was good camaraderie hmm. between the fans. So it, it was one of those, I, I have no idea what happened. I really don't. But Newcastle were a cut above. You could see they were a coming team. They were a hungry team. Their fans were on that. They'd been in the doldrums and suddenly, you know, Keegan, probably since the last time he played for them, now the manager, had suddenly got them, you know, playing in a fantastic style. Keegan was almost like a Tim's manager, wasn't he? I mean, on that sort of... Yeah. It was almost Tommy Burns-esque. Better than him, better players. But it had all that over-emotional, hyped-up... Boomer bust, and they were a lovely. It was a kind of night, and he says the atmosphere was good. You always worry in pre-season, but I don't know. It's what can you read into it? It's it's one of the it, you can only read into it in hindsight and say I knew we were going to do that because, as you say, there are pre-seasons where we've been abject and it turns out fantastic, and there's been pre-seasons where you think. Well, we're really looking the business and we blow up before the clocks go go back. So maybe I was too blase, but I didn't have a high expectation. I think at this point, this is when we're thinking, you know, I think we should be buying one or two, yeah. okay, no four million pound players, but some go, life. The, yeah, get, get the money from Dale Gordon, Gary McSwiggan, and push it back out there. We've got the five million. At this point, we're expecting a decent run in Europe, let's be honest. We're not banking on it completely, but there is an expectation. We know how to get through these European things. There is a confidence, an overconfidence as it transpires. But if you're going to go for it, this is a time when you probably lash out a few credits, as I said, and you get in a, a few players just to... And the weird thing is we do, we get jury in, but what, three months, four months late, instead of Actually, we're not going for them the previous November. Well, we'll come, we'll come to this uh, <laughs> uh, with, you, with you guys in a couple of weeks. Um, but yeah, Ch- Chet Young's exclusive in the, the November of, of, of 1992. Um, just just uh, just a year out, Chico. Um, uh, a wee footnote, um, the summer of 93, we're obviously still talking about last season and how brilliant it was. And so was Silvio Berlusconi. Certainly, we would not accept the Champions Cup if Olympique are stripped of it. If allegations against the French team are proven, then we would ask UEFA to repeat the cup final, this time against Rangers. It would be a fair solution. This was on the 1st of July, as UEFA still struggling to deal with the fallout from the Marseille scandal, but in reality, never quick enough. They were never stripped of that title, as I said, and that playoff never took place. But, uh, you know, there was a bit of talk about it. If talk of a Munich replay was just an attempt to keep that exciting spirit of 92-93 alive, then hopes of adventure were dampened by the Rangers manager himself before a competitive ball had even been kicked. This is quite the the, the pre-season interview. Um, Smith said, It's vital that I do everything to ensure that this club's success continues. Everything uh, has been become muddled but with winning the treble, but I don't think everyone really believes we will do so again as though it is automatic. I can't say to you that the entertainment level of the team's performances will improve this 
season. I might want that to be the case, but the Premier Division won't make it possible. Having to play 65 games plus international matches demands too much of the best players and the best teams. And although there will be good matches, some great goals and moments of excitement, I can't say Rangers will be more entertaining to watch this time around. You see, brilliance needs a fresh mind, and Scottish football, the way it's been developed, dulls the brain. Andy, not exactly inspiring stuff, but, you know, typically honest of Smith, I had another 44-game endurance um, season. Uh, I mean, what, what Smith, how, how's he going to, you know, beat last year? Going to get to the European Cup final? That's a tall order in of itself. But I thought his comment about a fresh mind is intriguing. You know, Smith's been Rangers manager for just over two years. He's lifted six trophies. What was, you know, what more was there to, to reinvent the wheel here in this kind of attritional slog where he, you know, he knew as, as John's intimated at the start, he's got the overwhelming stockpile of firepower. Um, but for, you know, much of the following two years and perhaps beyond, this little interview would be quite opposite. I, I, I thought it was quite a striking choice of words. Aye, it's very candid for, for Walter Smith because we know that he, he handled the media well even in his early years at Rangers. But I think it was present. I think it was he was correct probably a wee bit of dampening expectations at the same time. And, uh, no, I think he was probably looking at the fact that the squad hadn't changed bar Duncan Ferguson. He probably knew in his heart of hearts that Duncan Ferguson as a 21-year-old wasn't going to come in and do what he suggested, which is take us to another level. And he probably realised that there was... Too many, too many miles on the clock for some of those players and the injuries were going to catch up for us at some point that that specific season. Um, it's fairly downbeat, you know, because what we've spoken about in this series is that it's just been the, the never-ending juggernaut of power that is Rangers in every aspect on and off the park. Uh, it kind of culminated in the 92-93 season where we, we all nearly captured it, the ultimate prize. And I, it sounds now, looking back on it with hindsight, as a bit of a reset of expectations altogether. Um, we've spoken about the fact that we, we more or less guaranteed the league without, you know, it didn't take something utterly cataclysmic for us to surrender the league. So maybe he knows that in his heart of hearts it's a case of, you'll win this, but we don't really need to get into fourth or fifth gear to do this. Um Aye, it's strange. I wasn't aware of the comments, man. I've got to say, I can't remember them at all. But when you look at the, the season we're about to talk about and the season after especially, um, it's it's really bang on the money. It's maybe a guy feeling that that fatigue himself. I mean, he's not running about anymore. But Tens two seasons. Yeah, can you have I mean, a very full uh, introduction to managerial life? He's already, you know, lived that as an assistant through this, you know, turmoil and upheaval and revolution. Uh, he's probably, I think, everyone at the club maybe just wants a breather, despite what they may say publicly. Certainly, the chairman, um, John. The the opening game uh, against Hearts, it kind of sets a tone really when it was. I, dreadful game of football. Another injury this time, Stuart McCall. Um, Rangers win 2-1. Haitley, um, Mark Haitley goal made the, the, the overall difference. Um, but even that has this kind of sense of weird poetry to it um, in terms of summing up the, just this battle that Rangers were in, this endurance test. Um, he spoke to me on the time capsule um, a few months ago when his book was out and he said that was pure anger that header um, it was a header the, in the second half to make it um, 2-1 um, Craig Levine literally tried to break my leg on the halfway line 10 minutes before for the next 10 minutes I could not wait to put the ball in the net or break him in half that was the only thing that was going through my head the header that day I wasn't even looking to head the ball I wanted to smash Levine he ducked out the way and the ball hit me on the head um, this game and the next Saturday in Perth, where Rangers won 2-1, a dreadful golf error, um, you know, let St Johnson in, he made amends with a, a great header of his own, Ian Ferguson scrambled a second half winner, again, you will know better than me, because, uh, you know, you're used to Rangers starting badly, and, you know, we'd started badly last year, Dens Park, etc, etc, but at least Dens Park was chaotic, um, there was a big flow to that, we did look clunky, we did, we did look clunky before Dens Park. What was it, one 0 and two 0 Our first yeah. two games of the pre. It's kind of expected, and 
he hoped for, but I mean, it's only when you're looking at it and you're seeing this 44-game league plus League Cup, Scottish Cup, and we have an ambition in Europe. And you're just thinking, you cannot possibly perform at that level or at a real high level. As Smith says, I wasn't aware of his comments either for 60-odd games. I mean, you're just looking at it and you're thinking, yeah, it's probably not bad to start off slowly because even if we have the odds slip up early on, the odds are that we will power through the winter. No one will be able to stay with us. We'll get through the first couple of rounds of the League Cup because we're playing, I think that's it, we'll be playing probably some minor teams. And there's no European games until mid-September, unlike now. So if you're going to actually, if you're talking about managing a season, having a slow start and sort of grinding into it, maybe isn't the worst rather than completely running out of steam come February, March. And we've done that previously. I mean, we won the treble and we won, won with the Scottish Cup. But, I mean, those last, what, 10, 15, 20 minutes against Aberdeen, I mean, there was nothing left in the tank. Mm. I wouldn't have liked to have gone to exercise in that no, game or whatever. I mean, I mean, the team was done and that was them coming off on a, you know, being fresh, everybody fit. So there is this, I, I'm not overly worried, I've seen it before, but also there's a rational thing of, okay, there's nothing, we, we're not going to lose too much in August, um, apart from embarrassment. It's, we're missing the coist. Uh, uh, we're missing a striker. As you see, we, we already started playing Big Duncan at left wing or something weird, or... No, not quite yet. Not mind? quite yet. Duncan hasn't made an appearance yet, and well, the tension, injured, <laughs> the tension is starting to, to to build. You know, we'd hope to see him at Roker Park. We'd hope to see him at Ibrox for uh, Ali's testimonial. No, no appearance yet. He makes his appearance at Parkhead in the third uh, league game of the season uh, with Hately up front. It was not the best game. Defenses on top, but again, with Rangers with two huge players. I'm not sure how creative anyone was expecting us to be, but Ferguson looked bright. He had two efforts, uh, one in each half, uh, where he kind of came deep um, to, to kind of win the ball for himself, and he showed a bit of skill and a bit of uh, drive to get into a good position. Got shots away, but they're, they're long-range efforts. Uh, it wasn't the best game. I don't remember walking away feeling overly disappointed. Now, now, um, you know. Five points out of six. It's not a bad start. Um, my overwhelming memories are walking up with just people with loads of Andrex in their hands. Um, if you remember the the, the final over game of of the season before, that follow forward kind of uh, planned that that flag day, um, and it was quite spectacular. This was this was the bog roll day. Um, and the, the BBC captured it beautifully from the Celtic end. The Rangers end looked absolutely tremendous, I have to say. Um, but that was about the only memorable thing from, from that afternoon, Andy. Apart from Ferguson's effort, especially that first one in the first half with Bonner, troubled a wee bit. Uh, but it was still tentative and, and, and Rangers just kind of scratching around. Um, I was there. And, and the thing I remember, it's funny how you remember daft things, was... There was a kind of pride in us rolling out a four million pound striker because Celtic were still in their arse, let's face it, and we were we were bringing out this four million pound best talent in Scotland. He made a point of warming up right in front of the jungle for his entire warm up before the game, Duncan Ferguson. Mm. So he could, I don't think he could have been any closer to the jungle, their, their, the, the touchline over there. But the game itself was about a, a damp scrub. I think the, the shots that you referred to with Ferguson when he. He had that fantastic volley, the dipping volley. He had another shot for the edge of the box in the second half, I think it was. They were kind of the sign of what was to come from so, so near but so far away. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. 
And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. Um, he played all right, you know, and, and we played all right as well. But again, coming away from Park Kid, nothing each draw was a disaster. We probably felt we could win these games or we should be winning these games in the balance of squad power and first 11s that were playing. It, it, was, it was, again, we're talking about a season as if it just turned into a humdrum procession. That game probably sign it because a good even a a, a, a Rangers team with twenty percent more power would have won that game. Hmm. No, you're probably right. Um so okay, five out of six, uh, it's the new promoted team Kilmarnock at Ibrooks the following Saturday. Derek Johnston, who knows a thing or two about the importance of getting uh, an early goal in a Rangers career said on Radio Clyde before the game fancy to Rangers uh, fancy Rangers to win by a few today and for Ferguson to open his account um, well he couldn't have gone much closer John first half shot fizz just wide and then he nearly opened the score early in the second half his left foot shot just hit the post um, and maybe that anxiety about Ferguson getting off the mark because it is a thing for a new striker especially one with a big reputation big price tag to get that first goal maybe that's transferred over to others because Rangers yet again were scrappy and poor this time sensationally punished and Tommy Burns was the manager his side were value for their win they were ahead twice uh, with a Stephen Presley header sandwich in the middle um in other circumstances, John Presley's header would have been a proud moment for him and his family, but few remember it because of his late error when he dithered in the ball in his own corner, lost possession. Kilmarnock um, threw a face from Rangers pass. Bobby Williamson snatched the winner. Ali Maxwell, not um, particularly impressive either. I mean, there's scrappiness, John. There is, you know, that... that chaotic game at Dens Park from the season before we talked about. Rangers are 19 months unbeaten at home in all competitions. The best of France and England have not been able to do anything. Um, newly promoted Kilmarnock. This was a shock. Someone, um, like a friend of mine described at a similar age as a loss of innocence. Now, you know, again, Rangers slow starters, but this when this summer of 93, having the two seasons that we've just seen, especially the season we've just seen, it felt like something different. We were in the midst of something different. Rangers do not lose at home to teams like this. But I guess maybe that's just my younger outlook on it. But this this did feel this stung. Stung? I think it stung because it was Tommy Burns. Um, to a degree, I think it stung because it was Bobby Williamson. I think because I'm older and I've had a few kicks and um, at this point through many seasons losing games early on that we shouldn't either home or away was it not a really late goal I know you said it Presley I get yeah, uh, I think it's a really Kilmarnock scoring a winner on injury time yeah that brings future nightmares yeah it's just it's a wee kick in it you can trace it back later at the time, you just think it's it's one of those things where being poor, it's one each, it's late, and we've no chance to respond. And yeah, I'm not as despondent as you guys. I think I'm still in a bubble, which I shouldn't have been in, or no, we're going to do it. I think there is a feeling, just as Andy was describing, you're describing. Duncan Ferguson, what you're describing is almost Morris Johnson-like in the mm-hmm. first, mm-hmm. you know, few games. You know, even the game at Parkhead, you know, nothing each. Was Mojo's debut a nothing each crap? Or was it one, one, one. But it wasn't exciting. It wasn't exciting and he had a couple of chances, etc. Come to this, the big man's trying to score. We expected to, to beat Kilmarnock. We thought they might score or whatever because they were bunched them playing Decently. I mean, they had come up playing from recollection, and maybe I'm completely wrong, decent football. And they came out that day and had a go. You know, it wasn't what we were used to with, say, like a mother wall or whatever, putting everything up. It was still a hell of a shot. It was a shot. Disappointment. It just was, there's nothing worse than the ruin your your weekend, your Saturday night, and losing a last-minute goal at Ibrox to 
a team you should be horsing. We just weren't used to that feeling. That 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 ruined Saturday nights exactly it. Just to be clear, I wasn't despondent. I never thought, well, that's the league over. Um, but it was just what's. Sorry, what have I just yeah. seen there? I, I, and I wasn't used to being... That, that's exactly it. I was not used to being in a half on a Saturday night. It, it, it was some time since that had happened, seriously. Um, Andy, your your recollections on that, that afternoon? Uh, it was a cold, it was a, a cold hard slam in the face because um, I hadn't felt like that for a while. And, and as Sean says, Tommy Burns factor added a wee bit of edge to it. But it was also... There, there's nothing worse than football in the last minute defeat um, so it wasn't expected it certainly wasn't expected at home it wasn't expected against a team that was just promoted um, I, it was a I'm sorry to say a disaster it wasn't a disaster because you're still walking away from that thinking oh, we'll still win the league this is the the mindset but it wasn't enjoyable um, I can't remember if there was question marks entering in my head at that point in time I don't think we were thinking too hard about it I think it was probably doing a you know a freak and at some point you're going to lose a football match. Yeah, there there, there is that, but it was uh, it was a jolt for sure. Uh, thanks, guys, for an interesting discussion on uh, actually quite an, an interesting summer um, at Ibrox. It feels kind of groundbreaking and um, big and splashy, but actually under the surface maybe. Uh, belied uh, a, a lack of ambition after all and, and maybe a, a lack of pace when urgency was maybe required. Thank you, Andrew. My pleasure. See you in a couple of weeks, John. Yeah, see you then. Uh, unfortunately, we showed more aggression on the pod tonight than <laughs> the facility we saw in that <laughs> summer transfer window. How was ever that? Should have been the other way around. <laughs> Probably. Um if Duncan Ferguson's effort in that second half was inches to the left, then history may well have been so much different with a big sign and off and running, perhaps adding a second as Rangers stroll to a comfortable victory. However, as seductive as sliding doors are, it was never likely to be a smooth process. On the Monday morning after the commandant defeat, Ferguson was convicted of assault for the second time, following an incident in an Anstruther hotel in November with the sentencing scheduled for the middle of September. A record signing facing a spell in prison and a 19-month unbeaten home record all shattered before August was over. It was clear this was going to be a very different season for Rangers, fine margins or not. David and Alan will join me next week to discuss a chaotic three months in Rangers history, the worst run of league form since before Sunnis and wouldn't be seen again until 2005, a shock European defeat and yet an exciting and glorifying League Cup success. Never dull at Ibrooks. Until next time, bye for now. Sports Social Podcast Network. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.